0: This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment podcast brought to you by Hoxo Media and I'm so thrilled to bring bring to our channels today this is Rhonda D'Ambrosio who is the founder of Mental Health and Recruitment of which I'm a champion and so proud to be part of it. Welcome to you today, how are you Rhonda?
1: Hey, Alicia, I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. You're very
0: welcome. And for those who are joining us over on YouTube, Rhonda officially has the best backdrop in the whole of recruitment with her guitars. <laughs> I think I've said that to you before. You just it, definitely worth going over and having a look just for that reason. Well, look, we wanted to record this episode as an extra special um, share really for our audience because it is Mental Awareness Week, Mental Health Awareness Week. And I think it's really important that people understand what they can do right now to get involved so first of all for those who for some reason don't know what it is please explain what mental health and recruitment actually is and how it all came about
1: Wow, uh, thank you. Where do I start? Especially as um, I think one of my dogs was trying to get in on the live as always happens. Of course. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So uh, mental health and recruitment is, I would say the culmination of the last eight years work that I've done in the recruitment industry. So, you know, I started out back in 1997 and um, as well as doing a number of different roles in the industry, um, I set up my own recruitment company in 2007 with my then business partner. And um, we had a very amicable work divorce back in 2013. And most people that know me know my story. Uh, My mum got a a very late diagnosis of motor neurones disease. She was terminal within a few months, and then we lost her a couple of months after that. And it was that event that led me to diversify uh, MIDA technologies, as it was then to MIDA consultancy, um, because... I, I took some time out as you can imagine to, you know, spend those last months with mum. And um, at, at that time, my business partner, Deborah said to me, do you know what? I, you know, I I, I don't think I want to do recruitment anymore. You know, that's <laughs> like, okay. Um, I'd kind of wanted like a, a very short term break and um, she just did. Yeah. fallen out of love with it. It wasn't for her. Mm-hmm. The business had served us with um, yeah. having our children, you know, mm-hmm. who back then, and um and for me going through what i did with mum and seeing how my mum's outward response to what was happening to her was just one of sheer courage and bravery and um i i, I can say hand on heart that was a, a really life changing moment for me because mm-hmm. you know my mum had suffered with depression on and off throughout her life yeah. but once she knew that she was um you know there was absolutely dying, yeah. no coming back from, mm-hmm. from MND. She didn't respond, I guess, in the way that I anticipated she would. You imagine people breaking down. You imagine maybe that's when the cloud of depression would set in and mm-hmm. that, you know, absolute hopelessness. And my mum responded in a completely different way, which was to embrace the life that she had left. To um, enjoy what she could. I mean, if you know the disease, I've, I've talked. I've talked about it a few times this week. You're trapped in your own body, and mentally, you're absolutely switched on. So she oh. lost the ability to talk. She lost the ability to move, but she was able to. Um, you know, she had mental clarity, and that's one of the, the hardest things. Oh, as, very of cruel. Very. Yeah. Cruel. Very very cruel, and that piqued my interest in learning more about how our minds work and how actually we can influence our quality of thinking and that in turn can influence our our mental health so um, Debs and I as I said very amicable work divorce and I kind of retrained and I decided to work with recruitment owners and people in the industry to improve their performance by way of improving their quality of thinking and getting a handle on the emotions you know not rejecting their emotions but kind of um, I, the, the term I used early this week was almost learning to swim in them. So rather than being afraid <clears throat> of falling into the water, it's actually being confident enough to go in and, and, and learn to swim. So, um, you know, for me, that was the start of a journey where the industry perhaps wasn't embracing mental health and well-being. You know, we were coined as being very, very resilient, that, you know, now nah, mental health is not an issue for us and i was very fortunate to speak to somebody i'd worked with many many years ago who had just set up a business had set up um, and we laugh about it now in 2021 after the pandemic but he set up um, a fully remote recruitment organisation and um, was really interested in what i was doing and uh, told me about how this model that he'd created was going to really benefit people's mental health and well-being mm-hmm. and i said it absolutely would especially you know giving uh, families uh, working parents flexibility but i also said to him there is a danger that when you take people that are used to being in a very very social environment and put them in to their their own four walls basically everything we've all dealt with in the last year it can be very isolating and it can be very mm. detrimental to mm. the business. Mm. Yeah. Um, and 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 people I think aren't we aren't we do understand it now, but going back to 2015-16 you know, this was for me something that I said you need to really be on top of because the model's great, but not everybody's going to be able to flourish in this way. Yeah. So he got me into his business and, you know, I worked with his team and he let me kind of use all my models, I, you know, my HPI framework, Titanic thinking, did my grounding here. And he was a massive champion for what I was doing. And um, fast forward a year and a half, it was the word shock doesn't even cover it it was devastating when he took his own life. Ugh. He was the kind of person that you just wouldn't have expected it of. You know, he was a good talker. I felt he was always very, very open. Um, one of those individuals where you're only seeing things at surface level. Mm. And I think for me, Leisha, at that point, it was, no, this is a problem. This is a real issue. You know, one, I believe mental health um, and well-being is a topic that every company should champion, regardless of what industry they're in. Agreed. Because... We all, we, all, we all hear this, we all have mental health. There should be no disparity between physical and mental health. But what this event kind of said to me was that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there that are struggling, that are in positions of um, you know, responsibility, yeah. that um, have families, that have the world on their shoulders, um, or are hiding how they're feeling mm. um, in the workplace you know and these are people that outwardly you would think they were very resilient they might be top billers they might be the highest performers and this lesson sort of taught me that that listen it nobody is immune to this absolutely and um and i guess those two events you know what happened with my mum and the work that i've done in the last eight years and then losing john you know that was the the origins for mental health and recruitment. So that's a really long long answer to
0: your question. I mission. know, but it it contextualises <laughs> it, and I think that particularly, I mean, obviously, you, you know, I, I'm I'm very fortunate. I don't know anybody that's got motor neurone disease, but I'm I'm familiar with it, and I think it's one of the cruelest. Diseases out there, and you know, you speak so compassionately about your mum and how brave she was and courageous. And you know, people often muse, don't they, that you, you know, people on the deathbeds don't look back and say, you know, I regret not having more money. It's all the other components. So it, you know, that's very personal that you shared that. But the, the one that will resonate with our listener, which is recruitment, you know, professionals, aspiring leaders, and those running companies, is that you know nobody is immune to mental health being challenged and particularly and I know that this is why it's become so much more prominent over the last 15-16 months is that we have all been forced into this level of isolation which human beings were never designed to be in and, and I know that that you know that sort of the whole remote model I mean I've worked remotely for 16 years but I, I do agree with what everything that you've said there and I think that's where something had to change And, you know, I consider myself resilient, but nobody's immune to having anxiety and to feeling depressed and to, you know, there, but for the grace of God, I haven't ever felt in a position where I don't want to be here anymore. But I think I learned myself, you know, speaking to probably people that you speak to, you know, recruitment leaders, they, they were feeling so isolated last year because they're having to, you know, steer this ship through the most horrendous storm that nobody really knew how long it was going to last for. Lockdown went, oh, we'll be all right by July, August. No one really knew. And they felt really abandoned and didn't know where to turn because they didn't want to show vulnerability to their teams because it's a sign of weakness. And I think that's where, for me, when I became aware of you, which I can't even remember how it was, but I thought I want to, you know, I'm in a very privileged position. I'm speaking to you know, all these business owners, that's my job, and they're confiding in me, and I don't know where to signpost them to, I don't know how to support them, but the fact that they're confiding in somebody, there has to be some way of getting involved, and, and that's why I was just absolutely thrilled to be part of it, so I think, you know, mental health and recruitment is now a, you know, fast forward to 2021, It's we knew it was a lot of hard work behind it, I don't think anyone thought you just came up with the idea last last year, under. and there's, you know, the, you've got real credibility with that, and I think that you've made it, just normal to talk about it that's the truth now it gets talked about every day
1: i hope so i think um you know it was always there are still um individuals that have been in the industry a long time that Mm. probably question what we're doing and question Mm. the benefit to having um an organization like mental health and recruitment around but the reality is that the role and the way in which we do the role has changed considerably. And now I believe we have a duty of care for the next generation that's gonna be coming in. And the expectations that our kids have got based on their learnings, based on how society fits with Mm -hmm. things like their social media and everything else is completely different to the world as it was 20 or 30 years ago, where Mm -hmm. in reality, we could switch off at the end of the day we left the office. We didn't have mobile phones. We, we, if we had a system, we certainly weren't either able to access it due to technology, or we're not allowed to access it because yeah. of the, you mm-hmm. know. So, you know, our, uh, you know, our industry now is always on, and, um, you know, I've got teenage daughters. You've got teenage daughters, and we see how social media and being always on impacts them. Yeah. And I think actually, it, it's not good enough to just say if you can't do the job, if you can't deal with the stress, don't don't do it because none of us are impervious to life. And it's not about people that can't do the job. It's about people that may be under additional pressure in other areas of their life. So, you you can't just choose to support a certain percentage of your workforce. You have to enable people and allow them to be able to bring their whole selves to work because we no longer have a churn and burn culture, right? Many, many years ago, yeah, we would get people in, they would work hard for us. The shelf life in in the average recruitment business was a few years and they went off, you hired more in and so on and so forth. But it's not just about doing the right thing and taking care of people. There is a business case to it. You know, if we look after our people, they work harder for us. There's more discretionary effort at stake. And not only are we improving people's lives, but we are improving our own businesses. So I do think more and more people are coming to understand that now. Mm. Um, and if I look back to the talks that I've done in the last eight years, and I remember being in a room of 100 recruitment business owners or leaders, and I'd ask about mental health and policy and what do you do in your business, I'd be really lucky, Leisha, if two of them put the hand up, two. Whereas, yeah now we're in a position um, that the feedback we get from mental health and recruitment is fantastic we've just launched the awareness to action campaign and put our pledge out there as you know and you know what we're asking organizations and senior leadership teams to do is to you know pledge to change how mental health is viewed supported and talked about in the workplace um and yeah you know we've only been live maybe a week and um it's cool. going well. I think, going, yeah. I think,
0: and I, and I do just want to say, you know, for, for those who are listening who, you know, nodding away, you know, gosh, quickly downloading the, you know, the awareness to actually, you know, we, we want to get involved. But actually, I want to talk to, and we want to talk and reach out to those that are maybe, I don't want to say cynical, but are possibly still of the mindset that, you know, there's this disconnect between, you know, we're a burnout sector, you know, it, Times have changed. And I think the key thing that Rhonda's talked about there about your productivity and therefore profit profitability is you need to future proof your business generation Z, which is the we are parents of and you know, you're talking 16 to 24 year olds have constantly got these right. Mm. And I know that they talk all the time. And it's about giving them the mindset of how what they do to protect their mental well being. And they do talk about it. It is so important to this next generation, this Generation Z. They are not interested in your beanbags, your Ibiza trips, your champagne. They are interested in what you're going to do to look after me. And that's why, to please don't be cynical about what this means for your future proof. The people that you're going to bring in are going to be your future revenue providers. They want to know what you're doing to protect mental health. So I just I want to say that as someone that you know we're providing the service to the same sector it's so important that you listen and understand that it's everyone's responsibility no one is immune from this and we're creating a good mental health culture that's what we want we want to talk about it so talk to us then what you know the pledge and this awareness to action what what exactly is it what do people need to do to ensure it's not just a badge on their website because I'm really keen that people aren't just using it as a badge and I know you are too We interrupt this episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to bring you a message from our wonderful sponsors over at Hoxo Media. Now, recruitment agencies invest heavily in LinkedIn licenses because ultimately it's where we're all at. Given that we spend an average one to two hours a day on our phones, the rest of the time is spent scrolling through LinkedIn, looking for unicorn candidates and target clients. Now, if we look at the recruitment training programmes that are available, they tend to be focused around outbound phone sales and leadership skills. So how do you, our listener, maximise the huge investment of time and money that is spent on LinkedIn? Well, this is where Hoxo Media is solving this problem for hundreds of recruitment agencies and we want to share this message with you. Their Academy programme allows recruiters across the globe being coached in how to optimise their LinkedIn profile, creating daily habits for building out that unbelievable audience, that target audience, where they're producing their own valuable content that engages the right people, and ultimately drives content into inbound sales conversations. As I mentioned, they're working with hundreds of recruitment agencies, and there are over 300 recruiters every month enrolling on the Academy which enables them to increase their knowledge in how to basically develop the best content and maximize the results from LinkedIn. And to be honest with you, the testimonies have been absolutely incredible. So by enrolling in the academy with just one single payment, you can train your entire business for 12 months, which is why I'm so excited to share this message with you, our listener. So if you're a traditional recruiter like me, and you're an owner of a business, or you've got teams working for you who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates, then really, you do need to listen to this message and get in touch. You might find that you are using LinkedIn, but perhaps just for sharing jobs on there, and you struggle generally for um, original content ideas, and ultimately, the confidence to actually know what is going to be good content for driving that inbound business. So, I would love you to speak to HOXO Media. Drop me a DM, either on the link on this message on this episode, or send me a WhatsApp, and I can give you more information on how your agency can benefit from joining this programme. Enjoy the rest of the
1: episode. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess this ties into the survey that we did last year. Anybody that doesn't know, you know, when we launched, um, you know, Mental Health and Recruitment formally, we felt that we had to address um, the cynical Uh, members of our industry. And that's absolutely right to do that. We can't just um, say this is how it is because I say it so. We went out and we surveyed um, across all levels of employees, whether they were business owners, leaders, back office ops, salespeople, Mm. everybody. And um, we felt that we needed to do that to baseline what, what shape the industry was in so that also we could not only help and support, but we could measure the impact that we were having. So, you know, a big part of doing the the survey was to use that as almost a launch pad for the awareness to action pledge to get those businesses um, committed to, to moving away from awareness that we're all very, very good at, especially in mental health awareness weeks, but actually to more sustainable action. And you're absolutely right, it is not just a case of signing up on the website and saying, yeah, we're doing this, we're going to do it, um, and and, and then being in our Hall of Fame. What happens is organizations sign up, they give us some information, they tell us how many members of staff they've got. And prior to us sending out um, our starter roadmap, what we do is we do an opening survey across the business. And that opening survey is completely confidential, but we ask questions that tie not only to the call to actions we highlighted in the survey, but also to the six components of the starter roadmap. So that once we've taken a company through this, once they've gone through what we're saying six months worth of the journey, mm-hmm. you know, if if they're able to go through and to... Um, And they have to, Leisha, they have to evidence back to us what they've done, how they're doing it, how they're addressing each of the six components, we then do a closing survey. And that closing survey goes out to the same employees and we have a minimum respondent rate that we need to see come back in. And we can then tangibly see the impact that following the pledge, completing the starter roadmap has had on that business. And that comes from their people. And I think by doing that, it's not just about saying, oh, hey, look, mental health and recruitment are, are driving this change in the industry. It is about businesses being able to proudly say, wow, look at what we've done. Yeah. you know, Because really, and it's not black and white, right? It uh, is a gray area. So the idea is, as I say, that it's, um, it, it, it's very, very tangible. There are measurements in place and businesses do have to um be very aware and be very comfortable with the fact that they have to evidence back to us what they've done and even then even when they've back to us um the results of the closing survey which are again going to be anonymous are what would define whether or not they get that second badge that awareness yeah. to action badge
0: i love it i, mean, I love the accountability aspect of it because i think that's the critical part for me that, you know, so many people join bodies and, you know, basically pay some kind of subscription to say they're part of something, which, you know, it's absolutely fine. I'm not judging you guys, but I think it's really important. It's like investing in people. You know, you have to do so much to prove your worth. I think that's a really great way to clarify exactly what you're intending to do and that you're not, this is not about the initiative of mental health and recruitment and then your champions and your supporters and your ambassadors doing it. It's about actual business leaders and their employees and team members Doing this, you know, making my mental health talked about and making yeah. it—we're changing it. You're changing Totally,
1: Love but it. But I also—I think it's important to say that we. We've simplified it as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And the idea for us is that if businesses are finding it easy to achieve the starter roadmap, then the next element of what we'll do will be kind of, yeah, you know, up in the ante somewhat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we if you go, if you think about the Thriving at Work report that the government published back in 2017, if you look at the core standards that were recommended that were a part of the Time to Change movement for kind of, you know, broader. corporate um, businesses not just our industry the core standards were great but going through it it was heavy going you know if you're a small business if you're an agile business or you know if you're if you've got very limited resources i think that could be quite overwhelming and that's why we stripped it back looked at the call to actions from the survey and what came out there and then built something that we knew was very unique but specific for our industry
0: well, it's been incredible to watch your journey so far and i'm sure that there'll be lots of people wanting to uh, get in touch and find out what they can do. So we'll make sure when we share this podcast live that people can sort of click on that link and find out more what they can do about it. So if this is a recruitment leader listening, what can they do right now? Other than sign up to the play? Yeah. what can they do right now? And then going forward, you know, let's forecast them to sort of back end of this year. Is there anything else you think they should be doing right now to protect people's mental wellbeing?
1: I think first of all, Alicia, business owners need to have a very honest conversation. Um, with themselves and a very honest look at their business mm-hmm. and I guess evaluate the culture that they have yeah. and you know you could be a business that has an amazing environment and some fantastic people but if you're talking about well-being and mental health or even any kind of diversity inclusion anything like that you know truly what culture have you got is it psychologically safe or are you only wanting people to present themselves in a certain way that maybe fits with the ethos of the company as you see it? Yeah. So they have to they have to do that. That's where they have to start. And they kind of it, it's like most things, right? Unless you admit that there might be um, doesn't have to be a problem, doesn't have to be an issue, but maybe admit that there are some some basic changes that could happen. Yeah. Then that I think is a it is an amazing first step. So yeah, they need to they need to think about it from that that I guess that end because what I've seen is many organizations you know coming up with some really good initiatives and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we'll get that person in and we've got an EAP Mm -hmm. but those things are the tick box exercise And if you go back to, um, you know, the survey and the statistic that came out of that, one in four employees felt that their employer was supporting mental health or driving mental health initiatives as a PR exercise or tick box exercise. You know, you've you've got to mean it. Um, To start there, start there. And also, I think the other big piece of advice that I would give is... Don't try to do anything too drastic. Don't try to drastically change the business that you've mm. got. You're just looking to improve. You're looking to do. It's far better if you take a very small step forward that is also an authentic step forward. Yeah. I think yeah. that means more people yeah. aren't stupid.
0: Yeah. 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 Not dis- they don't want disingenuous, big grand gestures. They want something that's actually meaningful, and like you say true to true to their business what are your thoughts on i mean i did the mental health first aid course what are your thoughts on business leaders doing that as a starting point do you think people need to do that
1: i think there is huge value to doing any type of mental health first aid course but i think you have to understand the outcome on the reasons that you're looking to do it if you're looking for more awareness um, as a leader Mm. and but you're not necessarily comfortable with with being the person in the business that those your employees come to yeah. that's absolutely yeah. fine yeah. but unfortunately in our industry we we have this kind of um, ingrained in us this solve problems fix fix the problems. solutions find the solution yes, yes. <laughs> right find the solution and so um mental health first aid in our industry i think um what typically happens and not always, but I'm certainly conversations that I've had with individuals is that they feel a pressure to fix somebody's problems. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that can then lead, um, uh, can cause issues with regard to boundaries that you set for yourself and letting too much in, especially if you're an empathetic person Yeah. or what happens is you're not engaging with your business in the right way. Uh, There's no point having mental health first aiders in your business if, you're invite, if you're not looking at your culture and you're not trying to get it right on every level it's still better than nothing mm-hmm. granted mm-hmm. Um, but one of the reasons that we're launching our mental health first aid training and community is to actually support people to support people in their jobs in their roles in their um in our industry yeah to make sure that you know that, that they're okay um, I had um, I did I think it was last year I did a women in recruitment webinar and I was talking about this and um, one of the business owners said to me they'd had to move the person that was their mental health first aider onto a four-day week because um, the level of almost the the burnout um, that that individual felt after a whole week of people yeah so you know Mm -hmm. it's almost like you have to understand what the role of mental health first aider is and then you have to apply it in the right way in your business so yes great for awareness um but yeah do it for the right reason and and
0: do it with caution actually be prepared for what it actually means that if you generally speaking people that are interested in doing that role are probably the very empathetic ones that do want to be sort of the solution for those people's problems and actually our role is a conduit to those people that will then help them solve those problems
1: You know, yeah, and mm. th- absolutely that and and not the people that put their hand up because they do care about that stuff may not be the best suited people mm. or may need some additional support and training absolutely. around setting those firm boundaries because you yeah. only do so much of that in any of the mental health first aid courses. You do.
0: And, and I, you know, I'm so pleased I've asked you that question because I know we didn't discuss it offline first, but I think it's really important that, you know, if you're considering having somebody in your business as a first aid, as you would with any medical first aid, you're not a, you're not a medically trained person. You are just there to signpost. You're there to non-judgmentally listen and support. You're that first point, you know, that assist model. Um, and that's really important that we've talked about that. So for you, on a personal level, I mean, gosh, you must have yourself felt real pressure last year. You know, you are a business owner. You are a parent of teenage girls like me. So let's not even go there with the homeschooling. Um, we got them through it. Let's face it. What would you say, if you were to look back and reflect, was your biggest learn over the last twelve months?
1: Such a hard question. Um, I've had so many learns for lots of different reasons, but I think the most important one, which ties to what we're talking about today, and I think is really important when you, when you talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. My biggest learn is I do have to say no sometimes. I can't do everything, and I can't be all things to all people. And you know, I, I, Emma Dredge. I don't know if you know Emma. She's um, she's been part of the mental health and recruitment community. She and I had a conversation last year, and we were talking about different energy types.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, you know, through that conversation, I came to realise that I'm I'm pretty good at getting stuff done. I'm pretty good if. Uh, well <laughs> hopefully mental health and recruitment speaks for itself and get things done and i think sometimes you want to help other people you want to support other people you want to do things for the right reasons um and i i've been very guilty of of putting my energy everywhere and and that isn't that's not good for me so my my biggest learn is that actually I, I am allowed, I'm allowed to say I can't do that or I don't think I'm the right person to do that. Mm. And I'm allowed to say um, I, I won't be treated in that way. Mm. And these are my boundaries. So that's, yeah, boundaries Boundaries have been the big, big thing for me um, in the last the last year. And that's, that's what I've learned. It's all right, actually, to put... To put, I mean I think I'm pretty good at setting boundaries anyway we talked about resilient characters by nature mm. I'm mentally very resilient but I'm, I'm I, I like to get I like to be um I suppose in the thick of the things that we talk about I like mm. to you know the driving change the the creating things pushing stuff out there um and it's really difficult to say no sometimes that's my biggest learn
0: well I think there's a life <laughs> as a life hack uh, I have started saying no a lot more over recent years and I think it's the most empowering word of them, all, of them all and I'm a huge advocate of anyone that's gone through that journey as well like Rhonda to find that actually saying no politely of course you don't have to justify why you're saying no it's really important that you you do things that are important to you and that you mm-hmm. can give all your energy to because I think That's the the truth that the world that we live in now, you could, if you said yes to everything, you know, you would just literally have no time for anything and do anything completely so you are an absolute formidable force Rhonda and in terms of energy you are one of the most positive people I've ever met and I've met a lot of people um over the last 23 years in recruitment and you are just you know on behalf of everybody that's listening to this and on behalf of every recruitment professional thank you for being the force behind the driving change because you are making it totally normal to talk about this now which is what we should all be doing so for anyone who wants to get in touch with mental health and recruitment, follow the page on LinkedIn, um, get behind the pledge, but really do it meaningfully. Please don't do things half-heartedly. We want to create authentic change here so that we've got a legacy for the future generations. And is there anything you want to say before we finish, Rhonda?
1: Oh, Alicia, I, I, thank you so much, um, you know, for your very kind, um, humbling words there and for the support that you give mental health and recruitment i know it's a cause very very important to you and i'm yeah thank you i'm i'm delighted that we met covid um i'm very grateful for some of the relationships and people covid mm-hmm. did bring into my life actually um you being one of them.
0: well i feel the <laughs> same about you i think that all, all anybody can do over the last sort of since march 2020 is look on the positive aspects of it because otherwise it would just be far too worse don't make you down far too downtrodden but yeah I agree I think it's um it's been wonderful getting to know you too and I'm really so proud to be a champion so thank you on behalf of everybody and we look forward to seeing what happens next with mental health and recruitment thank you for joining us